Today on Cinema Oblivia. Welcome to another episode of Cinema Oblivia, your podcast for films that are unloved, underdiscovered, underremembered, or in the case of today's films, just don't make any goddamn sense. I am your host, James Eldred, and who is back again with me today? Hi, this is Joe Odber from the, uh, the Twitter account, Fruit of the Loom. Yes. And uh, Joe, what time is it where you are? It's currently 3.35 in the a.m., so very early start for me. And why, what, what, what movie could compel you to get into a recording studio at 3.30 in the morning? This is The Visitor from 1979. Yes, 1979 to 1981, depending on what part of America it came out in. <laughs> um, the Visitor, directed by Julio, or who do you, I don't know how you say it, Julio Paradisi, under the name Michael J. Paradise, which is a great fake name that is an awesome name yeah yeah that, that is either uh, a director or a porn actor and there's no there's no middle ground <laughs> uh starring way too many people who should have known better about who the hell knows what and <laughs> i i love this movie and i discovered it a few years ago i think when it was re-released by the alamo draft house have you heard this one before, Joe? I hadn't, and it was on your list when we talked about Chariots of the Gods uh, of of possible films. And you suggested it. I hadn't seen it, but I had picked it for um, after you suggested it for uh, like a, a virtual uh, movie festival me and my friends do. So it was mm-hmm. the, the opening movie of that night, and it was a huge success. So what was the general reaction from people in your group? They went, this is amazing. This is King. Who chose this? I went, that was me. Yes. And I did credit you as well for, for well, I, letting I, me know about it. Very much. Yes, well, uh, you know, I, I don't have a huge history of this one. Like, I discovered it, like, relatively recently. I saw it on, I, I buy all these, like, trailer compilation Blu-rays. Uh, and it might have been on the one that Alamo Drafthouse put out. I don't know. But I saw it on one, and I'm like, that looks fucked. And then I uh, was in the, the the cult movie store here in Tokyo, and they had a copy. <laughs> Oh, brilliant. I'm like, well, I own this now. Because I have probably seen this movie at least five times. It's one that, if you know me, you're going to watch it eventually. And I, I, I apologize for it. It's, like, it's right up there with like Howard the Duck or The Warriors or Streets of Fire. Like it's, it's a go-to, hey, this is a movie that, Jim, that James likes. You're going to watch it now, movie. And I still don't know what it's about. <laughs> <laughs> I have a rough idea. How would you... Joe, how would you describe, how would you summarize the plot of The Visitor? And before you go, anyone who hasn't watched this movie, we're going to get pretty spoiler-heavy, probably pretty quick, I would imagine. So you watch the movie. It's available everywhere. Watch the movie. It's it's worth seeing if you yeah. haven't. But Joe, give me a brief, like, back-of-the-box synopsis of The Visitor. Okay. Well, it starts off, there's, there's two ancient 
alien gods that have been fighting. And the evil alien god is beaten, but parts of him still survive in human children. So there's a, a young girl, Katie, who has got this, got the demon in her, got the alien demon in her, and she wants her mom to have another brother. Yeah. And John Houston has to come and stop that happening. Yes. So yeah, the uh, John Houston, famous director John Houston is. I think he's the title character. Like yeah, he is the visitor. Yeah. That's what he says. He at is the beginning. visitor. Yes, he's visiting from space Poland. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's an alien who has to come through customs with a Polish passport to America. <laughs> yeah, they don't really explain that. They don't explain a lot in this movie. Oh God, this movie. Let's before we get to the movie, I want to talk about who made it because this. Baby, this is the kind of movie you can get lost in, I think. And yeah. we, we mentioned the director, the guy, uh, Giulio Paradisi, a.k.a. Michael J. Paradise. Italian. A lot of Italians here. He was an actor primarily. He was in Eight and a Half. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of B-movie directors in Italy worked with Fellini at some point. I guess. So there a lot of people in his films. Yeah, well, that. And it's, it's a small country, you know? So yeah. And a small, small film industry. But I also get the feeling that saying you worked on a Fellini film is the Italian cinema equivalent of saying your band opened for Nirvana in 1991. Like, yeah. <laughs> a lot of, like, not-so-great people did that. You know, just because they were the second AD on Eight and a Half, like this guy was, doesn't mean they had any talent. He he wrote a few movies I've never heard of, and he directed very few films. This is only, like, I think he made, like, he, he directed, I think, five movies. His first movie is something called Terzo Canale, which looks like, like a music movie. It has a band I, I know called The New Trolls in it. It's like a Prague adjacent. It's a Prague thing. I don't want to get in Prague. I'm sorry. Some other ones. And then he made his last movie was in 82. It's called Spaghetti House. It's about three black militants that take over an Italian restaurant. Yeah. I'm assuming kind of a comedy, that one. I I think it's based on a true story. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And apparently this guy was also maybe a bodybuilder. (laughs) Yeah, I couldn't see that. I couldn't find out much about him either. No, no, he's really, he's still alive apparently, or he died and no one cared. (laughs) One of the two. Yes. I did consider I that. To, <laughs> I don't mean to be callous, but let's be real. And he just seems like an odd character. When I was watching the special features for this movie on the fantastic uh, American Blu-ray uh, that Alamo Drafthouse put out, they interviewed the writer, and I'll get to him in a minute, and he was talking about how this guy was practically fired from the film, but apparently maybe, you know, possibly knew somebody in the mafia and basically yeah. strong arm his way back into the movie. Literally. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think the writer was saying stuff like he was pretty crazy, wanting pretty crazy. elephants in the ice, ice, ice skating scene, which didn't make any sense. Oh God, everything. Like the, the director brought a lot of original ideas to the movie. The writer said the last, I think the last thing, the time the writer saw him, the, the director literally threw the script out the window. <laughs> um. So th- there you go. Like, yeah, I don't, like he hasn't done much and there's, He's a mysterious figure. I would love to know more about Mr. Paradise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, too crazy for Italian cinema is quite something. I don't... Is that possible? Because <laughs> you can't be too untalented. I, I don't mean to be... To, okay, look, look. if there's any Italians listening, there are plenty of amazing Italian films. The Italian genre film market is full of trash by people who do not know how to make movies. Yeah, yeah. Especially the, in the, the 70s. Italian Nowadays, trash maybe, film, that's what, that's what I love, so... 
I didn't think this was this trashy. I thought this was a classy movie, to be honest. Yeah, I think this movie is... I like this movie. I don't know if I would call it... It's so hard to say if it's a... I think it's a good movie on accident. <laughs> yeah. If that makes sense. I was I was watching it again, and I thought, you know what? This is a good movie. I would, yeah, I would yeah. go to bat for this one. It looks great. Like, this dude didn't do that much work, but I think this movie... Like it has some technical issues and some special effects. The special effects are very uneven. Some are great, some are terrible. But like that opening shot in that yeah. like psychedelic album cover landscape with the it is because it, this opens on this mythical fight between the the two aliens. So there's a lot yes. of lava lamp backgrounds and things like that. And yeah, it looks great. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, you keep saying aliens. What is the name of the evil alien? Uh, Zitan. I no, Satine. Satin, that's it. What is the name of the good alien? Yahweh. What is he, do you know what Yahweh means? Uh, God in the you know what, Old and, Testament. And Satin, so subtle. Satan. Yeah. And John Houston gets his quest from Jesus. Well, I think so. Sexy space Jesus, anyway. <laughs> the sin. Um, yeah. Sexy space Jesus played uncredited by Jess Franco. Franco Nero. Franco, yes. You know wrong, what? Wrong, been... wrong fucked up Franco, yes. Franco Nero. I've been spending weeks saying, right, I can't call him Jess Franco because I keep on wanting to call him Jess Franco. And then you did it. Yeah. It's Franco Nero. Well, it's Django. Yeah, Django. Django. Django Jesus. Django Jesus. Yes. My new my new psychobilly band. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but the, the, person who, the person who penned this story as it is, is a guy named Luciano Camici, who is Italian-born, obviously, but grew up in America. And he got the gig so because he could speak Italian, basically, right? That was what he said. There was nothing else, really. He spoke Italian. They wanted a, they wanted a, a writer who could speak Italian, and they hired right. him. <laughs> and yeah. his direction was, write a ripoff of The Exorcist, but not too much. Yeah, exactly. And maybe get some of that space stuff after Star Wars in the mix as well. Yes. This, so, how many movies do you think this rips off? So, there's Exorcist. There's the Omen, definitely. The Omen. What else? I think more The Omen than The Exorcist. Um, oh, I can't think. What, 2001, definitely. Oh, yes, 2001. Rosemary's Baby. Django, Django Jesus opening is, is in, looks like the hotel room from the, the end of 2001. You're not wrong. Yeah. Also, Star Wars. Definitely uh, Star Wars. I would say Close Encounters. Oh, there's a lot of Close Encounters. I had to check. I, I I always thought Close Encounters was in the 80s. I thought, was this before? But no, it's definitely a ripoff of Close Encounters. Yes. And The Birds. Yes. <laughs> so that's seven films. So uh, I'm going to skip ahead. I want to read a review. Uh, I really had to dig deep to find contemporaneous reviews of this film because <laughs> this got a pretty big release in America, but it was very staggered. So, like, I was finding reviews in 1979, well into the winter of the following year from different newspapers. And one review, I thought, summed it up very well, said, let's see now. How about a box of The Exorcist, a can of The Omen, a package of Rosemary's Baby, and there, far back on the shelf, a, cart a carton of the birds? Add a dash of close encounters of the third kind and a sprinkling of the fury, and we all are horror hash. Oh yeah, the fury. It's about the fury. I've as never well. seen the fury. Have you seen the fury? Have you seen the fury? Seen the fury? I think I have seen the fury. When did I see? It? I think I, I have a feeling I saw it recently, and I really liked it. Not to check it out. Yeah, I may. I may I be know. confusing it with uh, the brood. I don't like the brood. The brood's kind of boring. I think. 
Oh, I like the brood. I, I saw that for the first time recently. That was good. That's yeah, the Oliver Reed one, isn't it? The Cronenberg. Oh, I'm thinking of the ten- I'm thinking of no, the brood is yeah, yeah, the brood's, yeah, the brood's Cronenberg. Yeah, I was thinking of something else. That's not bad. It's not bad. It's pretty good. It's better. I would say it has a more cohesive story than uh, the visitor. That's true. Yeah. Yes. There was one other writer on this film who I didn't find much about. He a guy named Robert Mundy who also wrote a movie based on the song Chattanooga Choo Choo. Right. Starring Barbara Eden, George Kennedy, and Joe Namath. <laughs> George Kennedy again, yeah. He, hey, George Kennedy's in everything. Yeah. And uh, yeah. He's I, was it, is it called Chattanooga Choo Choo, that film? It is called Chattanooga Choo Choo. I, I can't say that. I have a stutter. Chattanooga Choo Choo came out in 1984. I, I did not look to see if it was available on any service because I've watched enough bad movies this week. So I had to, you know, temper myself. But it looks terrible. <laughs> But he moved on to write documentaries for the American Film Institute. Oh, right. Okay. So he did okay. And I see here in your notes a film called Rough Magic he wrote with Russell Crowe and Bridget Fonda, 1985. Yeah, I've never heard of that one either. No? Russell Crowe's in a lot of really weird movies early in his career. There's the one proof where he plays a guy. I think he's the guy in love with the blind photographer. I may have seen that one. Yeah, A gay blind photographer played by Hugo Weaving. Yeah. That's a weird movie. From when it came out, (laughs) but I think the I think the real person behind this movie is the producer, Avidio G. Asan. Can you say his name? I'm bad at Italian names. Avidio G. Asantis. Congratulations! Yes, (laughs) this man has produced like eight million things of varying quality. Um, Still alive. Fantastic. Yeah, he hasn't made anything since 03. He apparently wants to make a sequel to another film he made called Beyond the Door, which I'll, I'll talk about in a minute. And he wants to make a movie about the killing of George Floyd. <laughs> right, okay. An 80-year-old Italian man making a movie about uh, American racist police brutality. I don't know. The former CEO of Canon Pictures making a movie about George Floyd. Yeah, I'm not sure that's going to happen. I don't know. That's a good idea. But this guy had a habit of hiring directors, firing them, and taking over the production, apparently quite a few times. He pretty much directed Piranha 2. Piranha yeah. 2 is James Cameron's first film. Yes. And he, he, he apparently fired James Cameron and then filmed most of it himself. So James Cameron, you know, James Cameron has talked about Piranha 2, and that's basically all he'll say is that it's not his movie, really, because... He worked on it for two weeks and got fired, but he still credited. He's credited as a director because the the deal they made with the American studio said that the movie had to have an American director. Yeah. So they they hired him and fired him and kept his name on the movie. <laughs> yeah, that's that's it's a lot of that in Italian cinema, and you sometimes get Italians with American names, Americans with Italian names. Yeah, and then yeah, just using you, you know getting as many Americans, getting as as few Americans as they can to make it look like an American movie. Often, like 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 Deep Red has uh, what's it, David Hemmings? Yeah, you know stuff like that. But this guy's made like all kinds of crap. Like he made good movies, but he's also just made all all kinds of crap. Beyond the Door, which I I watched. La- Have you seen Beyond the Door? I was trying to remember if I've seen Beyond the Door. What's that about? I don't know. Um, it's <laughs> it is it is an Exorcist ripoff, but the. Uh, it is an it is it is definitely the exorcist divided by Rosemary's baby. The devil possesses an unborn baby. Right. I'm not sure I have seen that one. It is terrible. It was oh, it was almost unwatchable. 
apparently Warner Brothers sued the studio for ripping off The Exorcist. If I was right. Warner Brothers, I would not want anyone. I would not want to claim this movie is based on my movie. Yeah, best just to ignore it. That's best to ignore it. And there are sequels to Beyond the Door that are unrelated. Like the, he wants to make a new sequel that would be a direct sequel. The movie that is a weird movie. Like the 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 main character's daughter has fifteen copies of the, of the novel edition of Love Story that she takes with her at all times, and. The little boy drinks green pea soup out of a can, out of a can with a straw. <laughs> okay, well, it does sound good. You're selling it's it. Not, to it's not. It's not. I shouldn't be. And he made a movie called Tentacles, which I also watched this week because I hate myself. And that is, as you can guess, a jaws off about an octopus. And that also has two people from this film. It has Shelley Winters, right. Wearing a hat almost as big as her, and I'm not exaggerating. And John Houston again. Wow. And that Ed Bo Hopkins from The Wild Bunch. That movie. Oh, and uh, the oldest Fonda, Fonda, Henry Fonda. Right. A scene and a half. I don't know how that. I don't. I, maybe Asantis was independently wealthy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because I can't think these films made that much money. They couldn't have. Well, they, they cost nothing to make. Like, especially if you watch Tentacles. You know, if you're gonna make a movie about a killer octopus, you should have it. You should have a, a killer octopus prop. And guess what? They didn't have that movie's terrible. The only things of note in it really are the fact that John Huston and Shelley Winters' characters are positioned as main characters, and then with 20 minutes of the film left, they just vanish. Right. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure John Huston, who's also in this film, is wearing the exact same coat. Yeah, may have been filmed in the same week. When did the tentacles no, yeah. come out? You know what? <laughs> they came out closely because they could have filmed all the Italian stuff. Because this movie was filmed half, like mostly in Atlanta and partially in Italy. So, so maybe, maybe I don't know. I doubt it. But I, I, I was trying to find out like how John Huston got involved. So, do you do you know much about John Huston? Well, yeah, he's one of the the old school. You directed the Maltese Falcon. African Queen. He was the son of Walter Houston, who was uh, one mm-hmm. of the very first big talkie stars, I think. I don't think he and was. The, and the father of Angelica Houston. And the father of Angelica Houston. Yeah. So, yes. you know, real Hollywood dynasty. And also a really good actor. He was the, the baddie in Chinatown, Noah Cross. So, yes. really good actor, really good director. He is, he is probably, he might be like one of the greatest directors of all time. Definitely one of the greatest American directors of all time. Two-time yeah. Oscar winner for Treasure Sierra Madre, 15-time Oscar nominee, <laughs> just a god. And as an actor, he uh he chose strange projects. He he's in Chinatown, like you said, and he is terrifying in that movie. Yeah. He is his presence in that movie is just freakish. But he's also in Battle for the Planet of the Apes. Right. Which is the last one, I think, of the original series. He's in Tentacles, like I said. Uh, he's in a bad Roger Corman film called about the Marquis de Sade, playing the Marquis de Sade's uncle, which I've seen. It's, that's okay. And he's in Myra Breckenridge. Do you know what that is? Yeah, that's the Gore Vidal one. I may have read the book as a, <laughs> as a young man. Um, I haven't seen the film. Gore Vidal disowned the movie. Then that is that is the movie that kind of killed Raquel Welch, Raquel Welch's career. That has Raquel Welch, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Burt Reynolds has a very small part in that. No, no, or, no, Tom Selleck has a very small part in that. Mae West is in that movie. Right. Uh, 
at like 80 year old horny Maine West. And that is like one of the most like homophobic and transphobic films that I've ever seen. It's one of the worst. It, it is terrible, but I love it. It is horrible. Uh, it's better. It's this is a better movie than that. <laughs> but okay, I don't know why he picked these roles. Maybe he just wanted quick money. I think so. I think yeah. If, you know, they're willing to give him the money. He'll go and do it. He may have been yeah, trying and, to get money for more projects. I don't know if he was still directing at this point. He, oh, he was directing he was. up until his death. Yeah, uh, he was a little bit. Yeah, he was an outsider, not as much as Watson Wells, but he was. Pretty, he was friends with Watson Wells, you know. And he, he, I know he had to go outside the studio system quite a bit, so maybe. He did it that way. He thought acting was easy and fun, but he was never that proud of his work because, I mean, look at the, look at the work. But yeah, yeah. There's a story with one of the guys from the Alamo Draft House in an interview with Vice. They asked this guy how um, they got John Houston, and apparently he was friends with uh, I said uh, I said I hate Italian names. He was friends <laughs> I, with. I said, I said, was it? I, I'll have to get it back up here. He was friends with Ovidio. Ovidio. Ovidio the producer. Yeah. And he agreed to do it before reading the script. And then when he read the script, he said, this is either going to be amazing or a pile of shit. Well, <laughs> apparently he liked it on his deathbed. As Antonis visited him and there was a copy of the visitor on VHS in his room. Fantastic. Oh, I'm glad to hear that. So he liked it, but Lance Hendrickson, his view, who's also in this film, his quote from his interview that I like on the deep on the blu-ray is i hope you all have seatbelts when you see this so you can't leave <laughs> this is lance hendrickson's first major role yeah uh, he was in a few films before this nothing major he is probably like the building in this movie is weird but he he's one of the main characters yeah. playing how would you describe his character he is yeah, it starts off, you think he's kind of going to be the protagonist, but he is, in fact, a tool of the Satinists who is trying to get um, the mum of the movie to have another kid. Yes, yes. and He's also a basketball team owner. Yes, he owns the Atlanta basketball team, which is not the Hawks. In, right. Uh, in the real life, they're the Hawks. Uh, yeah, they call them the, the Atlanta Rebels. They, yeah, they which we're not flying out. I thought, ooh. Uh, yeah, oh no, oh no. Yeah, but kind of same bad. colors, and they they play one bad. Let's talk about the basketball game. They play uh, yeah. one basketball game with a fake team, the San Francisco uh, Miners, not Niners, Miners. It, are these not real? I assume they were the real teams. I, got, I know nothing about basketball. Oh, wait, let me let me let me let me play my I'm an American card. No, they are not. Right. They are <laughs> okay. fake teams. Uh, San Francisco has a team, but the, 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 I don't I don't think San Francisco's ever had a team called the San Francisco Blank, like. The Golden State Warriors are in the general area, but never a team called San Francisco Blank in professional basketball. I, I don't, I, I and not, not in the NBA anyway. I don't know why. Yeah. Well, but, they, although well, one of the space in the market there. Yeah. Well, no, I think that no, it does not. But anyway, I want, I don't want to get on a basketball thing. One of the players on the on the San Francisco team is Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, though. Yeah. <laughs> from airplane. <laughs> that's all I know him from. He's also a basketball player and a writer and an awesome person, great human being. He's also in The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh, which means that this is not his worst film. Okay. <laughs> Trust me on That's a bad movie. Great soundtrack. Uh, but what happens in the basketball game? Okay, well, it's a very close <laughs> game. And yes. in the middle of it, the, the girl, Katie, who's at the center of this whole film, comes in with these amazing sunglasses 
and basically gives the stink eye to the game. And I think she blows up Camille uh, Abdul-Jabbar. No, see, I'm not the basketball. Is that what she does? The, the basketball blows killed, up. I don't think. I don't think if if a player died, I do. I hope that Lance Henderson and his girlfriend would not be having hot hotel sex after. <laughs> Boy, it's crazy how that guy died, huh? Yeah, there'd probably be meetings and things like that. Yeah, that that I was wondering, and I sort of looked it up. Like, yeah, so the ball just explodes and the game ends. Like, right. I wasn't sure. I, what, I thought it was the thing behind it that you hit the basketball off and it exploded. But yeah, the ball makes more sense. Yeah, and I, then the game ends. Does it? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's blown up of air. Maybe it just had too much air in it. You know, it, it's, <laughs> no, it's explicable. It's it's when I say it blows up, it's not like uh, explosion from being overinflated. Like it is a pyrotechnic explosion. Yeah, yeah, yes. But it is down and, to the last seconds or whatever. Yeah, and then the game ends, and I. I wonder if I wonder what the NBA rules say about exploding balls. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know Lance talks about his his exploding balls later. Uh, yeah. his, I don't want to hear about your balls, Lance. But Lance might hate this movie, and he does. He hates this movie. But I I think he owes his entire career to this film because well, he, he comes in fully formed as Lance Henriksen in it. You know, it's not like. Yeah, this is it. This is a this is Lance Henriksen doing Lance Henriksen. He's yeah, you know, it's well, all because, there. Yeah, well, because he um after this movie he was cast in Piranha Two, same producer, you know, and Piranha Two was originally directed by James Cameron. Aha! Uh-huh. And then so James Cameron cast him in Terminator and Aliens. Yeah, that's it. So that's without without the visitor. Somebody else would be Bishop. Wow. So I want you to think about that, people. I think the uh, the the importance of this film in in, in cinema history should not be understated. But yeah, I, I I honestly, I'm not joking. I think he owes his career to this film. Without yep. this film, his career would be vastly different, which is hilarious. Like I love looking at those connections in filmographies. Like how I somebody got a bit part here. Or a bad movie, but somebody else worked on that movie, worked on somebody else's movie, and that's how they got the big movie. You know? Yeah. Fascinating. And and that's interesting. I I, I just find it, it funny that that worked out for him. And the other people in this cast, like we said, John Houston and Shelly Winters. Shelly Winters, yeah. Quite a performance from her. <laughs> I think Shelly Winters does a, Shelly Winters does, does not do low key. No, no. She turns up drunk with a bunch of fake birds and then slaps a kid around. Yeah, she slaps the shit out of that kid. Yeah. Yeah, I was looking at yeah. interviews. Apparently the girl that plays Katie says that Shelley Winters did it for real and was saying, I love films where I can slap little kids about. Totally crazy. Have you ever seen Whoever Slew Auntie Rue? No, I haven't. That's the Whatever Happened to Baby Jane ripoff. Well, season two of those. Season uh, What's the Matter with Helen and Whoever Slew Auntie Rue. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, in that one, yeah, she's like this murderous, like it's like a uh, Hansel and Gretel type story, and she like is gonna burn these kids alive. Like, and we see this really hated kids. Um, she, Shelley Winters, two time Academy Award winning actress, you know, yeah. But something happened to her career. <laughs> yeah, maybe just again the Hollywood sucks for women, but. Around the seventies, she's in the Poseidon Adventure, another Academy Award nomination. But she's also in Bloody Mama, whatever. What? What? Whoever slew Auntie Rue? What's the matter with Helen? Poor Pretty Eddie, Tentacles, and Cleopatra Jones, which she is amazing in. 
Yeah, I've heard that's great. I haven't seen it. Oh, that movie's amazing. But like, she's a bit. What? What? What would you call her role in this film? Well, I was a bit confused. She turns up as the <laughs> housekeeper, um, who comes in and tries to get the, the the demon child in check, and then I think she kills a falcon at the end. Um, yeah, but I'm maybe- not sure if she's working with the good aliens or not. I wasn't. He has sure that hand. scene with John Houston as he wants to go with him. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, as the little kid, so during the film, and I know we're kind of going back and forth between talking about who's in it and the plot, but there's really no like coherent way to. I think if this podcast is disjointed, it matches the film. <laughs> yeah. And go. So, the little kid is evil. And. She wants her mom to get knocked up by Lance Hendrickson. So, but Shelly Winters is there as a nanny housekeeper to watch the kid, but she doesn't really do that much. At one point, she says to the the mom, who we'll talk about in a minute, no one can hurt you now. And then immediately after that, (laughs) the mom is thrown through an aquarium. And then later on, someone tries to fucking hang her. Yeah. So whatever Shelly Winter's job is supposed to be, she's bad at it. Yes. Yeah. She keeps the house nice and clean. I mean, that yeah, that she, is supposed to be her job. Yeah. She keeps the house nice and clean while singing old racist songs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. About Mammy. Uh, so I've only heard two people sing that song. Uh, uh, Daffy Duck and Shelly Winters. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that Mama's little baby got shortening, shortening. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. Jeez, uh, this fucking movie. But yeah, the the mom, the main, I guess, kind of the main character. Who's okay? Who's the, who's main, the main character? character? Yeah, Does it I have think it's Katie. Character? I think it's the devil kid. You think it's the devil? So we'll start with the devil kid. So the devil kid is Katie Collins, played by Paige Connor, who was not in many films. She's like in three movies. She's in Little Darlings, which is kind of a big movie, but kind of an extra. And now apparently she owns a successful eyelash extensive business in Atlanta. Oh, well, good for her. Yeah, she is amazing in this film. She is fantastic in this movie. She's like, a really good actor. And she can play evil. Like, she's yeah. not just playing precocious and mean. Like, she's evil. And and telling cops to fuck off. <laughs> yeah, she, told, she, she tells Glenn Ford to go fuck himself. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, forgot, I forgot to put Glenn Ford, Glenn Ford in another... Hollywood Golden Age actors in this film in a yep. very bizarre role. I feel like I could say that for every role in the movie. <laughs> but Glenn, yeah, but she's great. She just has this evil look in her eyes, and just the way she she almost moves like an animal. Sometimes it's so hard to explain. But she's, yeah, also the only person in this film with an authentic Atlanta accent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's got such a great performance that she kind of carries the audience with her, even though she's the baddie. You know, it's kind of like Iago and Othello. You know, people are kind of rooting for her. Yeah, even after she, after she shoots her mom. Yeah, even after that. That is, that is the weirdest scene, and I don't. Is that the weirdest scene in this movie? Uh, mm, the, the shit in the mm. mom. The ice skating scene's pretty weird. Okay, well, yeah, yeah. We, okay, well, okay. I have an idea. Let's just go through this cast, and then we'll talk about these scenes okay, <laughs> because it's so hard people just trust me it's, it's it's hard to keep focus when you're talking about the visitor as you said what's his name uh glenn ford's in this movie we also have 
uh, Mel Ferrer, who plays an evil doctor. He was in a few different movies. He's mostly famous for being married to Audrey Hepburn. Yeah. Good for him. Uh, my favorite thing about Mel Ferrer is that in 1976, he's in a movie called Eaten Alive. And then 1980s, a movie called Eaten Alive. <laughs> he's in two different Eaten Alive. He plays funny. this evil doctor who's like the head of the Satine board of directors, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. the head Satinist. Yes, he is the the equivalent of the evil neighbors in Rosemary's Baby. Mm-hmm. And then as the main the, as the mom, there is uh, Joanne Nail playing Barbara Collins. Joanne Nail is in Switchblade Sisters. Have you seen that movie? No, I haven't. I've heard it's good though. Oh, mm, a, that is like the most Tarantino 70s movie. Like, yes. He owns it, like the rights. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> like, he he re-released it on its own. That movie's amazing. Absolutely incredible movie. She's in a few of the ones. He's in the Gumball Rally, which is a bad, uh, like Cannonball Run type movie, and Full Moon High. And then she married the president of Industrial Light and Magic and retired. Right. Okay. Yes. So good move on her. And then I think uh, only other people worth mentioning again: Franco Nero as Jesus Christ. Which I just love saying that. And then there's also Sam Peckinpah. Sam Peckinpah. Yeah. Yes. Quite amazing. And a very one, subdued kind of role. Well, he's dubbed because he was probably too drunk. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not sure if he was dubbed by himself or not. No, that's not his voice. That's not his voice. Okay. No, I, I, I know too much about Sam Peckinpah, so that's not his voice. It is one of three acting credits in his filmography for films he's not in. For films he did not direct. There's this, China 9, Liberty 37, and the original version of Invasion of Body Snatchers. Really? Wow. Yes. It's a very small role in that, too. So small but impressive filmography, I would say. <laughs> I, I, I really wanted to find out how the hell he got involved. Yeah. That's yeah. weird. Yeah. <laughs> for you, for a, a, an honest exclamation of, that's weird, when talking about this movie, that's saying something. That's, that's... I wonder if he was friends with John Houston. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they both got drunk and did terrible things together. Um, yeah. Sam Peckinpah's private life, and by this point, Sam Peckinpah is a complete disaster as a human being. So I don't know. Maybe he was just literally desperate for cash and knew John Houston, and John Houston's like, "Hey, come on, you'll make a. Few, we, we can go to Italy and make a few quick bucks." I have. Yeah, I, have I don't no know what idea. he's working on at this time. Is that the, the Rutger Hauer film? Uh, the Osterman Weekend. That's um, it. Yeah. Yeah. This is this, so that this is actually. I think at this point in his career, he was doing second uncredited second AD work. No, that's after this. Yeah. So by this point in his career, he's doing nothing. Mm-hmm. He hadn't. He made Convoy. Yeah. And he didn't make Convoy. He took the money, got a bunch of cocaine, and let Chris Christopherson direct it. Yeah. Uh, Osterman Weekend is in '83. Between Convoy and Osterman Weekend, he did second AD work on the, the movie Jinxed with Bette Midler. <laughs> okay. So, sad story about Sam Peckinpah. If you want to know more about Sam Peckinpah, I did a whole episode on him with Alex Navarro talking about bringing the head of Alfredo Garcia. You all should listen to that one. Alex. Uh, it's a good episode. I listened to it. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. But we all, oh, we forgot the most important behind the scenes person. Who's this? The composer. Ah, of course. Yes. Yes. Franco Michalizzi, 
who did a ton of film scores. Um, he did nine film scores in one year. <laughs> uh, you've heard his music because Tarantino's used it in other movies. Like he's a good composer, and his score in this film. How would you describe this score? Uh, amazing, bombastic, overpowering. Yep. Yeah, nonstop. Uh, it has that one music cue. I'm gonna play it right now. Oh, good. Yes, and they play that exact same cue six times in the movie. <laughs> I counted, and there's a minor key working of it too. So, like, uh, like an understated like dun -dun version, but six times, and that is a that is a oppressive piece of music. Yeah, it's. I, I remember it was a, a one of my friends were kids had a tape of the. A whole tape, a whole album of the A Team theme tune, all the theme music, and everyone was the same. It started off, duh, 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 duh. and then after two minutes, it just turned to the A Team theme, duh, 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 every song. And it just kind of reminded me of that of when you've got a theme that big, you just keep on using it. <laughs> like yes, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. It's like yeah. the band. It's like when when uh when Europe tour the band Europe tours their first and last song of Final Countdown. Yeah, <laughs> like don't fuck with the formula. Just to let you know, yeah that that score is fantastic. You 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 messaged me and asked if I owned it on. You said you you own it on vinyl. I don't, but I used to. Yeah. So, it's it's a gooder. It's a mmm mmm. That's a good score. I'm gonna play it again right now. <laughs> Just, I can't, can't stop, won't stop. But we've gotten the the people out of the way. Let's talk about this 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 movie. So we've already talked about the beginning, and then the basketball yep. court, basketball scene where everyone where the ball explodes. And so, what do you think is the weirdest scene in this movie? Then the weirdest scene. Well. <sighs> The ice skating scene just comes out of nowhere, and it is fantastic. Yeah, um, so talk about the ice skating scene. Yeah, well, we know that Katie is uh, very precocious, does a lot of gymnastics, and then you see her ice skating. Mm -hmm. And at this point, it's, it's a fantastic big ice rink uh, in the middle of a looks like a huge shopping center or a commercial district in Atlanta. And John Houston spots her from the roof or something like that, so he has to spend a lot of time coming down the escalator to try and see her. And in the meantime, she is ice skating and has a little falling out with some older kids. And she basically beats the shit out of them on the ice rink by out ice skating them and throwing them through windows and things like that. It's just a fantastic action scene. Comes out of nowhere, totally pointless and brilliant. Has no bearing on anything else that happens in the film. And really. And that escalator he's on is actually the world's longest freestanding escalator. <laughs> it's not even switched on though you know because it only goes up oh so does it they oh, turned well. it off so it could walk down the stairs and he's 
he's on that escalator for like the entire sequence of him like <laughs> take take get an elevator, man. You'll get down there yeah. quicker. And I just kept I was turning into Brody from Mall Rats. Like yeah. John Houston is back on the escalator. I feel like now that might be weird, but like we 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 mentioned that the mom gets shot. Yes, by accident, but, kind of. How did so? It's Katie's birthday, and one of her mom's friends is going to buy her this quite frankly terrifying little bird thing, like a, a ceramic bird that says, "I'm a pretty bird" in a very strange voice. But the bird vanishes out of the gift, and put in the box is a gun. Yeah. And she throws it on the table. Yeah, she throws it on the table, shoots her mom in the back, and the mom's paralyzed from the waist down. Yes. And this is all a ploy so that she will marry Lance Henriksen and uh, have a, a baby brother. Yeah, because she knows her kid ain't right. Like, I don't think she knows the kid is actually the spawn of Satan. Yeah. But she knows that something's not right with this kid. And she doesn't want to have another kid. And and her her... Her ex-husband, um, Sam Peckinpah. <laughs> Maybe yes. that's where that's where the kid got the evil from. So is Sam Peckinpah Katie's dad? Because yeah. Sam Peckinpah is not interested. Well, yeah, I mean, Sam Peckinpah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's not acting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sam, Peck, Sam Peckinpah had real kids he didn't care about. Um, okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. That, that, see, he is Katie's dad, but like. She doesn't want to even get married to Lance Henriksen. She just because he doesn't want to be in a situation where they might have kids. And Lance Henriksen kind of proposes to it in public without telling her ahead of time. Yeah, he messes that up. He could have done that a little, with a lot more finesse. I don't think he cared that much, but he he does that. So then, then she still won't get pregnant with Lance Henriksen. Even yeah, even after she's in a wheelchair, I think you know it's. There's a lot of bad drugs we can make here, yes. But yeah. she is then... Uh, what even... Uh, how does she get pregnant? Oh, this is a great... This is a fantastic scene. You see, all something. these scenes, they're weird and trashy, but they're, they're shot really well. I love them all. Oh, yeah. She, like, again, this movie looks amazing. Yeah. Yeah. But basically, she is the victim of a fake alien abduction in a film with real aliens in it. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't think about it like that, but you're right. You're right. Yeah. <laughs> and and that scene is shot like a scene in Close Encounters. Yes. Yeah. Because there's that scene in Close Encounters where Richard Dreyfus is pulled over and he thinks the truck is behind him and says, go around me and it goes above him. And yeah. in this one, you think it's a spaceship, but it's just a truck. Yeah. And she is drugged. And it's very clear that she, and so we're going to talk about some sexual assault stuff. She's not raped. No. They implant something in her, like surgically. Yeah. Yeah. And then she wakes up back in the car with no memory of this, and then she's pregnant, and then she has Sam, Pe- Sam Peck and Paul abort her baby. Yeah. Which I, just, I like saying that sentence. Sam Peck and Paul, abortionist. Yeah, I'm sure he was a fan. Anyway, and says, like and says to his ex-wife, or possibly even current wife, I, I don't know if that was a suggestion that they're still yeah, married. Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. He said, why does everything always happen to you? It's a little <laughs> cool, but in character. Very cool. Yeah, why does it... Hey, my paralyzed ex-wife who is pregnant against her will. Why does everything always happen to you? <laughs> oh, God. You're such a drama queen. Really, Joanne. Yeah. <laughs> so 
There was a scene where she goes to see Sam Peckinpah and there's a nurse that says, I haven't seen you for ages. How have you been doing? It's like, I'm in this wheelchair for a start. So not great. I've been shot, bitch. What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) And also, they make at one point, like, how is she driving a normal car? We don't know it's a normal car, do we? I'm pretty sure that you, it has a, it has a, you don't see any pedals on the, on the, um, on the dash. No, no, true. But it is I'm not giving this movie any credit. (laughs) (laughs) There's another, I would say the best, the best shot sequence. Well, there's a few really well shot sequences in this film. The opening is amazing and Mm -hmm. the ice skating sequence is great. But then what happens to Glenn Ford is amazing too. Oh, that is a good that is a good scene. Um Yes. How is how does what what happens to Glenn Ford? So he's investigating the gun, right? They want to know what happened how this gun got there. The gun has yeah. no serial numbers on it. The bullets yes. have no identifiable markings. It's as if the gun appeared from nowhere. Yeah. So he's yeah, he's checking out the house where this all happened, which is an amazing house. I mean, oh my god, that is house beautiful. is gorgeous. Yeah. Really, really nice. Two, I think it's a pool inside and a pool outside. But of course, the in- interiors will have been filmed in Rome, presumably. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he finds the the bird that was supposed to be the present, and he gets annoyed about it because it's in the seat next to him. He puts it in the glove compartment, and then I don't think we've mentioned Katie's falcon yet. Katie's yeah, Katie got a pet is... falcon or kestrel or something. Yeah, Katie has a falcon, falcon, as as yeah. as, as kids do. And this falcon is even meaner than Katie. Yeah, and it's a pretty mean attacks fault. Attacks Glenn Ford in the car, and Glenn Ford, the only pedal he's got is the accelerator, the gas pedal, and <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, has a horrible. <laughs> he, he hits a a, cycle, a a motorcyclist. That stunt is incredible. Yeah, really nice stunt. Yeah, like and, you, I don't know how that I don't know how that stuntman walked away. Maybe he didn't. Yeah, <laughs> maybe it's a snuff film. Yeah, the first time I watched this film, I basically watched it with my whole family. Uh, my <laughs> mum was over, and my mum at that scene said, "Ooh, that's a Kawasaki." <laughs> She's into motorbikes. My, my, my um, boyfriend said the same thing because he's Japanese. Really? <laughs> <laughs> so um, you watch yeah. this with your with your with your with your mom and and your wife, and my two year old son. And, and this okay. scene was the one he really paid attention to. Which uh, yeah, this scene is not suitable for a two year old. No, well, the, the I don't think anything in this film. You're like no. my dad. Jesus, be careful of that. Uh, <laughs> what did your What did your wife think? Did your wife watch the movie? The wife, my wife, watched half of the movie, okay. and uh, she said it looked pretty good. So I was supposed to be watching it with her again, but um, I was away for business, so I watched it by myself in a hotel room last night. <laughs> um, but yeah, my m- me and my mum watched it, and she loved it. <laughs> your mom sounds fucking metal. <laughs> 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 but yeah, that that is a tariff. Like he his his car, he he wrecks his car. It goes through a chain link fence that then wraps it up. So yes, it's kind of an ingenious yeah. idea. Like he gets he hits a chain link fence and then rolls down a hill. So then this this um this uh, baseball field of incredibly hunky men, <laughs> um, in very short shorts, uh, cannot get him out and he dies. And that is the end of that. Well, character. he doesn't die. If my son asks, he got out okay. Because oh, my boy was quite okay. concerned about that. <laughs> so I, no, he got out fine. He's all right. He's okay, yes. But I, I, if you cut out every scene 
with that character, the film would not change. Yeah. Yeah, you don't need it. But he's good. Yeah, he, it's a great scene. And he has some great scenes with Katie as well. Yeah, I mean, he, this, his scenes with Katie are great. I do, every time Katie has to talk to a normal person, it's great. Yeah. Because they, they immediately realize, you know, this chick ain't right. <laughs> She's doing the gymnastics, and her coach is like, you're doing really good. It's like, I am doing good. I'm going to be perfect. How's your mom? <laughs> oh, she can't walk. Bye. <laughs> And then she tells Glenn Ford to fuck off. Oh, man, I love that scene. Uh, yeah. Maybe I think that scene is aged better than anything else in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, F the police. Yeah. If Katie, if Demon Katie was alive today, she'd be like, defund the police. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Don't Without talk question. to cops. Yeah. Don't talk to cops, man. Snitches get, snitches get stitches. Um. <laughs> Or they get killed by a freaking hawk or a falcon or whatever. And then so all this stuff happens. Uh, John Houston is occasionally pursuing Katie but not doing anything. John Houston is, a, is her babysitter at one point. Yeah, that's a great scene. He turns out and said, the- here you say, I'm the babysitter? <laughs> really? <laughs> and it's great to see John Houston say, oh, that'll be $15 for babysitting. Thank you. Um, yeah. And also but, when they're driving away, Lance Henderson and the, the, the mum are having a conversation with her. You don't think he's a child molester, do you? <laughs> That's kind of yeah, probably man. not. Probably not. You know, hey, it's too late now. We're going to the party. <laughs> oh, so, but they're playing pong on a front projection TV. Yeah, playing pong badly. It was nice to see pong, but they weren't hitting the balls ever. No, and also you can't play. I th- don't. Don't those screens get burning? Ooh, yeah, yeah, Hell yeah. Well, Lance Henderson yeah. has all that has all that, that that devil money, so he does. Well, I I thought it was the the the, the wife's the, the mum's place. But but well, Lance still Henderson there has after the Lance Henderson is dumped. When is he dumped? Oh, after the yeah. Well, well, you know, there's logic. Yeah, it is her place. You're right because he goes home to Katie. Yeah. So yeah. what does she do? <laughs> I don't know. How does she have all this money in this? Because I don't know what her job is, just, is or background. Yeah, that house is incredible. Like yeah. it has this open floor plan. There's pinball machines in there and video games and like the best, worst, best, worst 70s design. Like mm, yeah. Oh, it's got a little man. spiral staircase right in the middle of the, oh, of the room. I wonder if there's any lost porns that were shot there too. Because it just has that energy. <laughs> that 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 is a shag ass shag carpet. Great yeah. place. Great place. But then, so he's babysitting her, and then occasionally he goes to a rooftop. Yeah. This this seems quite central, and this is like a very enigmatic bit, because it's him and all his bald mates um, <laughs> building something in the top of an abandoned building. Is is John Houston the head of the Harry Christmas? Because <laughs> they're all bald. Well, yeah. Uh, the, the the boldness I think is kind of explained at the end. Yeah, it's a good point. Yeah, it's way. a good point. Yeah. Yeah. So they they have all his bald mates up there, and 
they do 2001 meets Close Encounter stuff, and there's a runway, <laughs> and there are lights, and yeah. John Houston. John Houston has this look on his face, like he puts his arms on it. He says, stands kind of arms akimbo, and just like, I'm 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 a fucking actor. <laughs> like yep. that seems to be the constant look on his face. And while he's doing this back home, everything's gone to hell, literally. The uh, Satanists have been killed. Yes. And uh, Lance Henriksen realizes that the plan is a failure. So he ties piano wire. He, he, he wraps piano wire around her neck. Is that what that was? I'm not sure. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, piano wire. And then she's on one of those like like uh, moving platforms for stairs. Yeah, and the stair lifts. Stair lift. And makes the stairlift go down as basically as a way to slowly hang her while Katie watches and helps. Yeah. Katie's doing the, the control on the chair. Yeah. Katie's Katie's in cahoots with him to kill her mom. And then yeah. birds sew up. <laughs> yeah. But this is it. John Houston has managed to get his rooftop landing strip thing to work. A bunch of lights come down. So he has now, well, we haven't mentioned the birds. We've mentioned the falcon. Yeah. <laughs> But this is a callback. The, the whole film does actually make sense. No, you're a liar. <laughs> you're a liar. How dare you? Okay. Because this this it's is plain. how Yahweh beat Zatine in the first place. He got a big flock of birds to attack Zatine, I think. Um, uh, so that's what he does again. A huge bunch of pigeons going to fly in. One of the pigeons cuts the, the piano wire, freeing the mum. It's terrible. We can't remember her name. And um, basically... <laughs> Barbara, Barbara. <laughs> some of them turn metal and spiky. And one <laughs> of them spikes Lance Henriksen, Henriksen through the neck. Metal, metal, literally metal, not Megadeth metal. Yeah. Yeah. And Although the rest of them just pick, pick the evil, peck the evil out of Katie. Yes. And then Katie is taken to Space Jesus. Yeah. Bald. With all the other bald children that are with Space Jesus. Yeah, and because at the start, Space Jesus is telling all these bald kids about the, the history of the of the, the big battle between the aliens. And at the end, yeah, Katie is one of them. Here off. <laughs> it's the end. Barbara's the alive, end. but barely. Her life is in ruins and her child is missing forever, but she's alive. Yeah. <laughs> but I think the implication is all these kids are other ones that have been taken over that have been growing up evil and by basically beating them and cutting their hair off he's made them happy and free of evil because they're all really happy to see john houston yeah they, that's it they're all happy they get to hang around with john houston and space jesus when he when he walks in the first time all these kids are like hey it's john it's yo that's john fucking houston <laughs> you know he directed treasure sierra madre <laughs> like, like that's the look on their faces i yeah. would have killed i wish my dad would have seen this movie because he loved john houston but he hated bullshit like this ah right this would have won him over i don't think it would have won him over it would have just made him angry but in a really fun way um like you said this movie makes sense and yeah. i mean i does it <laughs> I think it's got its own internal logic. And yeah, it does kind of make sense. I mean, you know, it's, I, got, it's got callbacks to different bits. There's no bits to say, well, I, you know, I've seen films which, which make less sense than this. <laughs> I can't think of any right now, but I'm sure. 
Uh, I mean, I got, I got. Well, well, it's one. Um, Grizzly makes less sense than this. I just watched oh, Grizzly. It's terrible, no. and that's another movie where like the the main character this vanishes halfway through the movie, and this never explains. Right. And I yeah, would this say doesn't this, do this. This has got characters. You know what they're doing. You know that people don't they just know what drop in and out. They what? Sorry, they know what they're doing. They know what they're doing exactly. Not yeah. everything's explained. Some bits mm-hmm. are still in the back. You don't know what John Houston's doing on his rooftop. But he's doing something, and he gets a bunch of birds out of it. So it's working for him. <laughs> he has that great jacket. Um, yeah. I, I feel like... So when the first time I saw this movie, I knew nothing about anybody who made it. And I was kind of like, well, this is like brilliant surrealism. Like, <laughs> these people had a vision of an idea, and it's all, it's like they don't care if it doesn't make sense to us, right? They they want to make their own reality, and that's great. But then after I watch after I watch the special features, I'm like, oh no, they just picked from other movies they liked. You know? Exactly, it's just total. But chance. I guess it does kind of come together. I I I have a theory about movies like this, and for me, this movie, I I would compare this movie to The Beyond. Okay, I think I've seen I that one. Yeah, that's a great movie. It also doesn't make any sense, yeah. but it's also beautiful. And my view on this is in the beyond you're dealing with literally hell and in this you're dealing with alien gods, you know, call back to the to the gods, I guess. Yeah. Oh no. This is this is an it's an astronauts movie. It is. It is oh, definitely. Fuck. It's definitely all part of that. God damn it. Shit. I didn't even think about that. But but yeah. my, my Exorcist, Chariots of the Gods, you know, it's two two of the things in the zeitgeist. Yes, man. You Son of a bitch. But I feel like if you want to be charitable, you could say that a film like this, you're dealing with powers beyond our comprehension, so we literally shouldn't comprehend it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm happy with that. I'm happy with that. You know who wasn't happy with that? Everyone who saw this movie in the theater. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Also, like when I was researching this, I found you I found newspaper advertisements and the newspaper advertisements just straight up lie about the movie. Oh right. Here's the ad copy for the movie. They are billions of years older than we are and infinitely more intelligent. We have sought them out with signals in the sky. If they are fearful beings, it is too late to turn back. They know we are here. Right. Yeah, that's not what happens. And then the other one is an ancient alien race heads for Earth, drawn by the radio waves we've been sending through space. Do we really want to meet them? Very insistent on this radio waves thing, which plays no part in this film. No, but I think he's setting up, is he setting up radios on the roof of that building in Atlanta? I, 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 some kind of magic radio waves, because there's some dancing involved, it seems like. <laughs> it's, this, is, this is how the Blue Man Group started. Yeah, they've got. He seems to have the, the the bald people who I don't know are the same bald kids from the start, or maybe just grown up bald. But doesn't they, don't they, the bad guys have bald guys too? Who, who, who don't the bad guys have bald guys too? Uh, when they take her to, to impregnate her. Well, oh no, they have they have full body suits on, but yeah, that's right. They, they look like um, American football players or football players, <laughs> as you'd call them. Yeah, that's uh, right. That's hazmat the... suits. They got huge shoulders and and weird masks. So yeah, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry, I was mistaken. Yes, the bad guys have rejects from the Oakland Raiders. The good yeah. guys have Harry Christmas and rejects in the Blue Man Group. 
Yes. And possibly yes. Shelley Winters. And possibly Shelley Winters, but again, who's not very good at her job. Um, yeah. But this movie did play in theaters. It got terrible reviews. I, went, I read one earlier. Um, let's see. Were there any other good quotes? It's a very simple one from uh, John R. Meyer II in the St. Joseph's News Press. This movie, this movie, and I use the term loosely, is 90 minutes of garbage. Also, in America, this was edited down. Right. I was going to so, say, it felt longer than 90 minutes. It's Yeah, it's 108 minutes. So they cut out 18 minutes of this movie in America. I wonder what they cut out. Yeah, I don't know. It kind of maybe drags towards the end, but it doesn't drag too much. No, I mean, it is captivating because it is, it is a beautiful movie. Yeah. And... Uh, all the actors are good, especially the kid. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're constantly waiting for it to all make sense. <laughs> <laughs> so that kind of holds your interest a little bit, maybe. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think this movie got a bum rap when it came out. The best review I found of it was in the LA Times. It says, it's a pity when a high-class junk movie like this, which is about extraterrestrial forces of good and evil battling over the bodies of mortals, uh, fails. Yeah, yeah. And this person also said... Yeah, high-class junk. I think that is, that's a fair assessment of it. Yeah, because there's money behind this movie. Like it, it looks it looks expensive. It doesn't feel cheap in any way. No, yeah, well, some like of the special cost. effects, but for the time, not that bad. I mean, for the time, I think they're all fine. I and like, I want to see an entire movie that looks like the opening sequence. Yeah. Oh, like like what's what's that guy's name who did uh, Santa Sangre and uh, Holy Mountain? Alexander Jodorowsky. Yeah, like. That looks like Jodorowsky, you know, just like... Yeah, they're definitely a bit Jodorowsky, a bit Fulci in some of his more weird stuff. Yeah, You yeah. mentioned the, the Beyond. I would say this movie is better than most Fulci films. Oh, well, that's not that difficult. I like Fulci, but yeah. I like his... I mean, His, his films great. make less sense than this. Fulci, some of Fulci's lesser films are in the pantheon of the worst films of all time. <laughs> in my opinion. This is this is not one of the worst films of all time. I I I I am I don't know how this movie vanished. Like this movie aired on TV a lot in the early 80s when I was able to look up TV listings. And imagine flicking through your TV at one o'clock in the morning, you're drunk, and this comes on. <laughs> Like that's a formative experience for some kid out there. Oh god! Like, and then, but then it's, but then also it was lost forever. So imagine you're like, imagine it's like 1994. You're like 23 years old, and you're like, did anybody remember this movie with these birds and John Houston? And there was, I think, like an evil kid, an escalator. <laughs> like. It would be very. I'm sure there are, there's a, there's a whole Reddit uh, a less terrifying Reddit than the ones we go to. There's a Reddit called Tip of My Tongue. Yes, yes. Where, where people say like, "What is this thing?" I'm I have to imagine like once a month, someone is like, "I watched this movie on TV. What the hell was it?" So yeah, yeah. But, have you got any movies like that that you lost for ages and thought, "Did that was that a real film?" Do I have any like that? Yeah. I, I, my, 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 my memory is pretty good of movies, but I, there was one. What was it? Uh, Ice Pirates. Oh yes, yeah. Uh, there's Ice Pirates. Where I, I remembered some basic thought, basic scenes from it, and then I found it way later as an adult. I'm like, I watched this a lot as a kid, and it's terrible. And um, on a related note, Solar Babies. 
Solar Babies. No, I don't know that one. It's terrible. Uh, that has, um, I think, Michael Patrick's in that. Oh, the, the, old, the hunky brother from Lost Boys. Oh, right. Yes. Yes. Yeah, he's but good. The, those, those are like fever dream movies. And um, I can't think of any other. How, how about you? Have the, you ever had a movie like the this? The one I like had you? was um, Nothing Lasts Forever, I think it was called, with Zach, Zach Callaghan. What's that one? For, it's a black and white film. He's a concert pianist. But then I think he goes to the moon on a bus driven by Bill Murray. And the moon is like Hawaii. <laughs> it's a really strange film, and for for years, I was trying to find out if it actually existed, because it was a it was part of a, a thing we had in Britain, Movie Drome, where Alex Cox, the director, introduced the films, and he introduced what seemed like a very very different film before it. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I I for years I was convinced I'd fallen asleep at the start of this film, and <laughs> just dreamt the rest of it. Yeah, I just I just saw it. It's yeah, nothing lasts forever. Produced by Lorne Michaels. Oh right, starring Zach Galligan, uh, Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, and um, John Belushi is going to be in it, but he died. Right, it's a very never, strange film. Never officially released in the United States. Right. <laughs> there you go. That's how you saw it. Look good. Lucky, lucky you. Um, yeah. Yes, un- unreleased due to unspecified legal difficulties. But hey, I got an idea for an episode now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So would you recommend this movie then? I would totally recommend this movie. I liked it. My mum liked it. My my boy wasn't so wasn't so sure about the Glenn Ford dying in a fiery wreck scene, but he enjoyed what he saw. <laughs> Put that on the back of the box. My mom liked it. Joe. <laughs> I don't I I have a friend, my friend who I subject these films to, he hates this movie. And oh, does he? Yeah, but my boyfriend loves this movie, and I, I always am stricken by which films he gets really stuck to. Like he loved this and Slumber Party Massacre Two, um, <laughs> and Downton Abbey. You know, I don't right. know what goes on there, but I I think this movie is captivating. It's not the best anything, but it uh, it is a unique object, and I, I feel like. You couldn't make this movie again. You could not make a movie like this on purpose. No. And it is a combination of creative ingenuity and ineptness. Yeah. But that it all comes together. Yeah. Fantastic. It all just comes together. And I think all like John Houston doesn't do much, but he's great in it. And Lance Hendrickson is fantastic as, it, as like this evil puppet. Not literally puppet, but you know what I mean? A puppet of evil. Um, Coming on in this movie. And uh, Shelley Winters is barely in it, but she's great. And as we both said, that kid, Paige Connor, is yeah. fantastic. So, she yeah. should have won an Oscar for that. Oscar worthy performance, I thought. Oscar worthy performance. And that's not ironic. I thought she was brilliant. And this movie, again, looks gorgeous. The cinematography is very good. The music is amazing, mm-hmm. if a bit overused. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite is the first time they use it when he says, uh, John Houston goes to see Space Jesus and he says that her name is Katie Collins and she's eight years old.
Yeah. She's not eight, is she? She looks a lot older than eight. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, but she's movie eight. Yeah, but that's right. They say she's eight years, only eight years old. And then it's like the, the zoom cut into yeah. Space Jesus's eyes. Yes. And also, Space Jesus says mutant wrong. Mutant. Mutant. Yeah. And at one point, uh, the mom is giving a phone number to somebody. And she says it like how no one would say a phone number. Now, in America, phone numbers, are the it's, you know, like, you know, 555 one two three four five five five. You know, it's like a yeah. It's 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 a it's a it's a five, it's a three three four system. So it's like five 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 one two three five 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 five. She goes four two five. <laughs> <laughs> like she's like it's on my number is seven zero one five six two seventeen nineteen. Like no no one would do that. Like if you're American, <laughs> maybe it was an Italian thing. May. Well, apparently, her and Shelley Winters would rewrite their dialogue together. <laughs> I did find one interview with uh, Joanne Nail about this movie from when it came out, and she doesn't talk about it that much because she was also plugging something else, I think a TV show, and she's like, yeah, I worked with Shelley Winters and John Houston in Italy. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> and that's all she really says about it. Like, next question, please. But... Anyway, uh, is there anything else you want to say about this bonkers movie? I was, uh, I could talk about this film all all morning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think of anything else that I did. Yeah, the ending. I, I, the ending. Katie goes crazy and goes full alien. She starts glowing out, oh, and yeah. I thought it was. She has the long hair in her face, like the the, the, the Japanese demon things. I thought that was a good bit. Yeah, yeah. She she gets like and she has glowy bits and yeah, it's a good her and she just fully fully finally attacks somebody like as a monster. Yeah, yeah, uh, and, and pulls her pulls her mum up the stairs by her hair. Oh yeah, that yeah. was great. Even though it's very obvious that's not a child. Yeah. <laughs> also, when when she throws those two teenagers through that window in the ice sequence in the ice skating sequence, look at yeah. those kids' arms. They are suddenly very hairy. <laughs> like obviously a stunt double, but that's that's that, you know that's that's hard work. Yeah, but yeah, you don't I, have to wait too long in this film before there's a great bit. Oh no, I know. Hey, if you like, I'm gonna be careful now. If you like Franco Nero, not just Franco. If you like Franco Nero, you have to wait like one minute. Yes, and I love old Franco Nero shit because he's just so weird, and yeah, yeah. so there's that immediately you got, and and also just seeing John Houston as. Of tool of an alien god, yeah, or alien god himself. Now. I wasn't sure. It could be both. Yeah, there's a lot of these things aren't explained, but I don't think they need to be explained. I don't think they need to be. I don't think they could be because, again, I feel like if they explain they, they, they this movie came out the way it was because the people who made it weren't that good at writing a movie, mm-hmm. and if they had spent more time writing it, it would be worse. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I, I feel like the, the vagueness, whether intentional or not, works in the film's favor to deliver this very dreamlike, surreal atmosphere. And it's just, yeah, man, yeah, watch this movie. I, I think it's on most streaming services. It's on it's on Shudder right now. Right. Uh, you can, in America, you can see it on Shudder. Shudder also has Beyond the Door by the same producer. Don't watch that. Trust me. Okay. <laughs> And Amazon has tentacles. Don't watch that. Um, but watch this. And uh, I think 
this movie might benefit some alcohol. <laughs> oh yeah, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Maybe I can't drink right now because it's some medical stuff. But yeah, I, if I if I the first time I watched it, I was drunk and I loved it. So yes, there you go. And uh, I don't. I I recommend the Beyond as a film like it, but I can't think of anything else really similar. Um, no, no, I've never seen any Jodorowsky actually. I should do. I know I should, but yeah, I, I don't would, know how similar it is to that. Uh, Jodorowsky films are a bit more intentionally surreal, and. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, like Holy Mountain is a fantastic movie, but it's nothing like this, right? Uh, I mean, I recommend Holy Mountain independent of this. Uh, <laughs> El Topo is a bit harder to swallow, but Holy Mountain is gorgeous. So yeah, right. if you want to see some weird ass shit, I recommend that too. But I think that's it today. Anything else? No, thanks for the recommendation. It's no, uh, I loved it. Yeah, thanks for waking up way too early. <laughs> I am. I am still flabbergasted. You did, you did that to talk about the visitor, but uh, no, but absolutely every day. Hope to, have, do hope to have back again sometime. Talk about some other weird ass movie. Probably, probably from Italy. <laughs> so <laughs> probably, but that'll do it today. Uh, Joe, where can everyone find you online? Uh, on Twitter at Fruit of the Loom One, and that's fruit spelt with two O's. Okay, and what does that account mostly do? Well, I usually repost. Uh, things from Reddit to do with Mandela effects, retcons, dimension jumpings, the new one. I've been getting into oh. people that try think that they are switching dimensions by drinking glasses of water. And I'm sorry I've kind of stolen your bit by tweeting out Mandela effect stuff also, but that's fine. I, I like it. I can't keep track of them all. Yeah, and I have a long I have a forty five minute train commute. So you know I have yeah. to myself busy people on those forums get mad at me when i comment and they're like do i have anything better to do i'm like i'm on a train so <laughs> i mean not really i can look at tumblr but now <laughs> but anyway no, no. you can find me online at my website lost turntable i am on twitter at lost turntable and on youtube as lost turntable i got that on lockdown so anyway that'll do it today for an episode of Sim oblivia thanks again for listening i'll see you again soon take care <laughs>